Is this better? Uh, not much, just a little. How about this? Oh, way better. Yo, okay. you have a really sexy radio voice. You ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Rosie and Thorns. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Rosé and Thorns podcast. I'm P. Ryan, and I'm here with my good friend, Lady S. Now, before we jump into how I know you, sis, <laughs> tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, like I was saying earlier, I don't even know. I hate when people ask me, like, tell me about yourself because I never know where to start. Um, well, child, you can start with the fact that you're hungover. <laughs> you told me. <laughs> How did we get there? Oh, my God. <laughs> Who were so, we with? Were I we can't stand you. I, can, <laughs> I feel like you always catch me at, like, the first moments. <laughs> like, I'd be good all the time. And then... When, you decided to be bad. Yeah, whenever you call, <laughs> it's just like I'm in the middle of something. I don't understand. Um, no, but like I was saying, um, I just graduated from my master's program, and I had a friend, a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. A, <laughs> a school friend? A friend. Just a, a man friend? friend. <laughs> a friend in quotations? A friend, a friend, a good friend. <laughs> Um, bring over a nice little bottle. Wait, let me see the bottle. Nice little, what is this? Let me see. You know what? Y'all, she has the Casamigos <laughs> tequila. Do you know uh, from the cheap stores, that thing is $42. So that friend has money. <laughs> okay. He's trying to get a large. Well, I don't know. He just bought the bottle over. I okay. guess he's doing big now. So, and the bottle's finished. So we was just getting lit and it was fun but i just remember this morning why i don't drink tequila anymore mm. because i have been dying so no, tequila like it's a good time but it has given people a lot of death stories including I, yours truly listen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i remember when i had um you remember when beyonce's formation dropped me and my line brother were just like, yes, okay, let's get information. <laughs> so he challenged me to take seven shots of Jose Cuervo gold, right? Because she's like gold with no chaser. When I tell you, I could not go back home until mid-afternoon the next day because I was dying Friend. the entire night. No good. No good. Friend. <laughs> A mess. A mess. Oh, I, well, you d- I- Mm-hmm. Listen, I I have battle stories too with tequila, so I, I'm here. Out of control. You. I'm here with you. Like I just don't make right choices on with tequila. So. And this is why we drink it though, because sometimes you <laughs> need to make right choices. You know, I, I feel like I'm a grown up now. Listen, do you <laughs> like, know what's the Real Housewives? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> grown ups make horrible decisions. <laughs> Terrible. Like I'm like, do your kids watch this? <laughs> and they surely do. They and surely they really do. do. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Uh, but yeah, ooh, tequila, man. I, 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 I think I'm just gonna continue my break because this morning was not it. But anyways, mm. heard uh, you, heard you. Well, you told the people about your hangover. Tell the people about you know who you are professionally. What do you do? What's your jam? Yeah. So I am a public health person, even though I probably shouldn't be talking about my craziness with tequila. <laughs> um, but yeah. No pressure. I, duality. <laughs> but yeah, I just graduated with my master's of public health from the University of um, I'm also working on a second degree, a second master's degree, uh, which I won't 
tell y'all the name. I'm sorry, but um, mm. yeah. And uh, let's see. I'm an immigrant. Um, moved here when I was eight years old. Grew up in a very in a family where um, you know very Christian and and yeah. And you know my parents just worked really hard to um, provide a nice life for my brother and I. And yes. And yeah, and I'm just, you know, I made it to Philly. I grew up uh, in a whole white country, very different from Philly. So when I moved here, I was like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, but God had a very, very crazy purpose for me because I did not expect to be in Philadelphia ever. Like if you would have told me like five years ago that I would still be living in Philly for the last four years. I was Mm. like, crazy. I'm going to Atlanta, but no, I have been in Philly for a while now. And yeah. yeah. What created that plan change for you? Um, Honestly. So I had graduated from um, undergrad and I was just like ready, like where I was living. I felt like it was just very, it was just very boring. Like, um, you know, the East coast, there's just a lot of, um hustle and bustle and you know like everybody's like ambitious and it pushes your everybody excuse me everyone has some type of hustle whereas like where I was you know where I grew up um people get comfortable in the west coast like things are more chill people are very comfortable like people really didn't um weren't as ambitious and I was kind of getting bored like I graduated mm-hmm. from undergrad and I was just just eager young woman who's like ready to change the world and ready to go after her career and had really big goals. Um, so I was like applying to jobs everywhere. And then I got into AmeriCorps and there was this position that I felt like was perfect for me. And it was actually crazy. I don't know if I ever told you, I was at a church conference and they were trying to figure out, and I really thought I was going to Atlanta. That's where I wanted to be. The CDC was there. I was like, I need to work at the CDC. Like I Atlanta. I was applying to all my jobs in Atlanta. I was like, I'm moving to Atlanta. And I was at a church conference and they were trying to figure out where their next conference would be, whether Philadelphia or Atlanta. And I was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. I have a job interview in Philadelphia. Like, is this, is this my decision? And they actually chose Philadelphia. And then mm-hmm. later that week, I ended up getting the American job in Philly. Oh, and so I God was really all up in that place. Yeah, like, he was like, <laughs> here's a clear, this is, I don't know if this was a sign or more of a Like, this was like a sign of, you are going to Philadelphia, and I'm going to make a way for you. And here I am, with now, right. here for four years, um, with almost two master's degrees. Yes. Um, and a full-time job. So. Well, that second master's is well on the way, so we're already going to claim it. You, yes. you are July real mastered, like, <laughs> out July. here doing the darn thing, yes. public health professional extraordinaire. So we honor you, and we are so, so proud of you over here, Thank okay? You. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, and I love your story because so many listeners um, of the show as well as myself can resonate to this story of either being an immigrant or being um, a person with family who are immigrants um, and kind of like watching your family members work hard to provide you the life that um, you currently live and really setting the foundation for all the hard work that you put in for yourself currently. And so you are an inspiration, girl. Mm -hmm. And you're about to inspire some other things too, but we'll get there. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Now you and I met um, 
first in a professional setting. So you mentioned that you're a public health practitioner. Um, I have a master's in public health. And when I had moved back to Philadelphia from St. Louis, we met um, down to the job, right? Yeah. Um, And it was a good time kikiing at work, but nobody prepared me for the fun times we would have had outside (laughs) of work. I was like, did I just meet my soul brother? Like, yes, yes, you I was sure like, did. You're literally me. I am you and you were I. Okay. I remember, um, shout out to Tiffany Bacon, Philadelphia mm-hmm. radio personality and all around like soul mother. She hosts these like yearly parties. And I just remember, you know, every year you and I go into those parties and just having some stories before Ooh. we even get into the place, unpacking like <laughs> foolish men. <laughs> Specifically men from your culture. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, Trust me. I deal with them too. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. A mess. Um, But you are just so dope and I have such a great time with you. And so again, grateful to have you in my life. Congratulations to you on where you are now professionally. And so let's just jump into a little conversation around that profession. Right. Um, Right now, we're in a very interesting time, um, specifically because we are quarantined, we are on lockdown, um, we are trying to figure out this virus, and every day we're getting just different information, well, from the start of this, we've been getting different information about you know, what the virus is, how to combat it, how to prevent yourself from getting it, um, but all of the information seems so mixed, right? As a public health practitioner, I'm very curious, how are you reacting to the information that's being disseminated currently? Actually, you know, it's really funny. Um, The Center of Public Health Initiative at Penn, um, they had a really good seminar um, this um, this past that really good friend um, put together and they were talking about basically race and COVID-19 and one of the things that came up uh, was about the information that's being disseminated and um, I think that I understand um, and I'm talking like from the black community and black Twitter and because that's what my social media is really around. I I understand why Black people are very, um, um, what's the word, spectacle about like a lot of the information put out and things like that. However, I do think that it's time for us to be critical about Mm. which information, you know, we we jump on. Like we really need to be critical about which information we should be following, where it's coming from, which information we should believe rather than not. And like not all looking all these conspiracies and and things like that because there's one thing to question information and then there's another to blindly just follow anything that's Mm -hmm. out there Mm -hmm. and that was very it was very unfortunate in the beginning where there was a lot of like oh black people don't get coronavirus or it's 5g or just all these craziness and but whenever like you know, cover your face with a mask and things like that. Then people are like, what? No. So it was just, it was really heartbreaking that like, I felt like people were following and ready to jump on all the wrong information. But when like information with science that was put out, then it was like, (laughs) oh no, the government's coming out. Like it just didn't make sense. And I think for me as a public health practitioner, that was really 
um, heartbreaking and frustration, frustrating to me because these are things that I heard from my friends, you know, for yeah. people like who I really, truly like love and care about. And it's like, are you guys really serious right now? Like this is science and mm-hmm. you know, this, these things that they're telling you six feet, like wear a face mask, do all of this things is to protect you, you know? Right. Um, so I think that's what, that's what's been really, really frustrating is how much people are so, um, are rightly so, um, worried about like, you know, questioning everything. But I think that people just need to honestly believe that this, this pandemic is real. People are actually dying. And I think that people forget that like people are dying. Right. And this is very real. And I think when you talk about communities of color, specifically the Black community, we're in this kind of weird crossroad of sorts, right? Because it's just like, oh, there's this mindset of, I don't want to be inconvenienced. Is this thing really real, right? And Mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, yeah, look at the data. But then there's this other thing that we definitely want to validate, this other mindset of, I don't want to just jump and easily trust, you know, what you would call science or like the medical professionals. Mm -hmm. And that kind of makes sense too. When you think of just our history with the medical profession, when you think of things that aren't, you know, too far away from us, like the Tuskegee syphilis study, right? there is this aspect of like, ah, they're just trying to get us out of here. But then when you also do look at the data and scrutinize the data, communities of color are being hit by this pandemic, right? So yes, it's a call to engage in um, health behaviors, like proper health behaviors, but it's also, you know, this other aspect of like, dang, we really have to scrutinize what the medical community has given us. Like, can we trust their um, opinions? Can we trust vaccines if they bring it out, right? Do they want to just try us first with these things to get us out the way? Yeah, and I definitely think it's valid. Like, it's definitely valid to question the medical, like the distrust between the Black community and other communities of color with medical and even public health, um, you know, sector. I understand, I understand that, that disconnect and that distrust. And I mm. think that, like I said, it's, it's important to question a lot of things. Um, and I think that it's not just on the Black community. I also yeah. think that like public health um, folks and the medical folks and all, you know, they need to do a better job in bridging that, you know, mm. having a bridge to these communities, um, communicating with these communities, actually listening to these communities, right? Yeah. Listening to why, why aren't people listening to you in the first place, you know? Um, understanding that distrust and start working on building this trust back. Um, because, because like I, like you said, there is reason for, for with the history, with the tuxedo experiments and all of even black women, you know, there's been yeah. a lot of wrong with, mm-hmm. you know, we know about abortions we know about all of mortality these, rates. Mortality in childbirth. Rates, yeah. Exactly. So like, it makes sense. Um, but I think that, so it's not just, oh, this distrust came from nowhere, you know? Mm-hmm. But, and I do think that a public health profession, profession needs to do a better job in bridging that, right? Learning yeah. how to communicate, learning how to listen, learning how to disseminate information. Because a lot of times, the talk, I'm on professional Twitter, I'm on public health Twitter, and I'm like, y'all are just talking to each other. You're not really teaching yes. everybody mm. else. Like, you are all talking to each other, and they think that they're reaching other communities, and I'm like, no! No, you're not. No, mm-hmm. you're literally talking to each other, and I think that 
people get comfortable in their circles and they think that that is reaching everybody else and it's um but yeah there's a lot of work that we need to do as a profession i i agree and i want to see more people of color in leadership that's yeah. one of the reasons why i went back to my masters because i know this is off topic no but when we were both working at that public health organization um I saw a clear glass ceiling. I yes. saw that a lot of people who were doing direct work and direct service were people of color, but people in leadership, people who made decisions, people who were, you know, were at the top were all white people. And those people were making decisions for communities of color. I saw my glass ceiling like very clear. It was kind of crazy. So I was just like this young, um, energetic, you know, young woman that was like ready, had all these great ideas, um, was ready, you know, to like, to give a lot of contribution, to do a lot of work and to speak out about a lot of things. And um, basically my two supervisor, my manager and director like set me down. And I remember this white woman really told me, she was like, oh, all because I asked for a desk because I didn't have a desk at the time. Mind you, like, you know our office like literally i don't understand why and i was like i don't feel comfortable like having all these people's information like carrying it around like how do i not how do i not have a desk and um it was just something simple and mind you i'm like i'm a very direct person you know i'm nigerian like Mm -hmm. we're very direct like you know we don't sugarcoat things and I'm like oh my god I'm so you know like no you know that's not how I was raised and um I just was very direct and literally I was sat down by like my director and manager and I remember this white woman really telling me that you would not make it far in your career if you don't learn how to speak to people in authority and I was like oh cool I am quitting (laughs) and from that day on I started applying to grad school, other jobs. Like I was like, this, this. Mark my word, I will not be here longer than like a few months. Yeah. And literally, and yeah, and that was really because I know I was like, you know, ready to go to grad school and things like that. And you know, it's really crazy too, because I had a bachelor's degree. I was actually getting paid pretty well. Like my job was great. Everything was like perfect. You know, our build, building was great. Free coffee, like. It was like one of the most perfect jobs I could ask for. And um and I just remember a prayer that I prayed to God and I was like, I had really big ambitions and I still do goals and dreams for myself. And I told God, I was like, Whatever makes me too comfortable, like make me uncomfortable so I get to my dreams. Like whatever mm. position I'm in and I get too comfortable, you gotta be careful about the prayers you pray. Yeah. I've learned that. I've learned that the hard way. And literally everything was perfect. Even me and my manager, we were great friends, everything. And literally as soon as I started getting comfortable, like, it was just like working there became the worst thing for me. Mm -hmm. I was just so uncomfortable. And that's really what pushed me to get my master's degree because I was sleeping on that. And once I saw, like, oh, these people are not looking out for for, uh, me to grow professionally. Like, I don't see myself getting to my goal. I'm looking around and all the people of color have been working there for like 10 plus, 15 plus years and they're not getting promoted. They're not moving up. I don't want to be one of them. So I left. I said goodbye. I went and got my master's. (laughs) I hear that. I hear that. And I'm so proud of you. And You know, it's so interesting that you're talking about this prayer that you prayed of, like, discomfort, right? So often we pray for blessings, we pray to be, like, elevated. Um, 
but we have to realize that there's a discomfort that comes with that. And we have to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. to get to a place of growth, right? Flowers yes. don't grow yeah. without rain. Humans can't Facts. grow without being stretched. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. And I'm so happy that yeah. you kind of took that leap of faith, not only to better yourself and to further yourself professionally, but to also break that glass ceiling for other Black professionals and to also help yeah. communities in the ways that you know they need to be helped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important is like breaking it for not just yourself, but for other people. Mm. Because something I've always, I've, I've noticed a lot. Um, I, you know, I really believe that like, I, I'm not winning until all of my friends win. Like all yes. of us need to do Come on, Jay. Oh, you know, like I can't be going on trips by myself. Like all of y'all need to make money. All of y'all need to be successful. Like, you know, we need to win and celebrate our wins together. And uh, I've seen just so many um, instances of like, sometimes when people of color get into higher spot, it's like, I, cool, I'm the only one, I only want to be there. Mm. You know, I, I'm the only one who wants to be up here. And I just like, I hate that mindset and yeah. I'm so against it. And, you know, I think that another important thing is, for me is that like, I want to see people of color in leadership. Like all of us need to be making these decisions because yeah. especially in public health, who are most affected by a lot of these health disparities. We see COVID really bringing out the social determinants of health and mm-hmm. how that's playing a big part. It's people of color. It's Black people. It's the Latinx community. It's immigrants. It's, it's you know, the LGBTQ community that are really suffering. Yeah. And I think um, it comes to, it, it's at the time where we need those voices and leadership, so... Sorry, I got a little off topic, but... No, no, this is on topic, okay? (laughs) This needs to be said. And it's so funny that you mentioned that there are some uh, people of color who get to these high positions and kind of just, like, abandon um, the effort to pull other people up. Um, This is a podcast that seeks to be understanding and to also spread compassion um, in also holding people accountable, right? Or while holding people accountable. Mm -hmm. So what do you think are some factors that contribute to an individual who gets to a place of like, okay, I've made my mark. I've gotten my status. I'm good. What do you think are some factors that kind of shape that mindset? Um. Honestly, I don't, like, I wish I could know. I wish I knew. I really don't. I think, I guess my personal experience with this is, like I said, me and my manager were really, really cool. Um, She was there for me throughout, like, my first year with the company, everything. And, um, you know, she was Puerto Rican and whatever. And it was literally all white women. And, you know, you were there. And most of the managers Mm -hmm. at that company were, were ran by, like, all departments were ran by white women. And when she finally got her official, like, manager title, I just saw a complete shift. Mm. And I was like, I don't know who you are. And, you know, I think that it was really important for me to, like, have that experience because now I have, like, something... I have someone that I can think of where I'm like, I never want to be like this. Ah. I can, like, literally tell people, like, call me out if you ever see me acting this way I never want to be like this I never want to tear another you know woman of color down another person of color down like we already have too much stuff going like coming for us out like you know like we live in America we already have so much against us and I think that the last thing that we need to be is be against each other and not Mm. pull each other up you know 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like that's that was like just a really big takeaway of like don't ever do this to the next person that you're supervising because I do want to be in leadership and I think it's really important to motivate and encourage and foster a, a space of like you know a safety and growth you know and and celebrating people who are coming who are under my leadership you know um so I just I was just like while I was there, um, if he got that promotion and just completely changed after that, I was like, yeah. don't ever, ever be that person. I hope that whoever listens also, you know, think thinks about this because, you know, we all have a part to play in uplifting each other, honestly. So You better say so. You better say so. <laughs> and I think the way that we kind of keep on that track, right, to like to think about the community and to think about pulling people up when we get our status is having that community that holds you accountable. Right. So you mentioned that you were telling your friends, if you see me being like that, call me out. Right. Without community, we can sometimes get in our head and sometimes be completely Mm -hmm. blind to how we're coming off to people. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I know we did kind of take a segue, but let's get back on track. Right. Um, This all stemmed from conversation about kind of like being public health practitioners, right? And what you thought about, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that we're kind of handling information being disseminated. Another thing that Mm -hmm. public health practitioners, you mentioned they have to kind of be like a bridge, right? Between Mm -hmm. um, the information and getting it out to the communities. Another Mm -hmm. thing they have to contend with right now, which is really crazy um, or really wild, excuse me, crazy is an ableist term, (laughs) Um, is the fact that like, there are now government officials who are also mm-hmm. not listening to science, right? You mm-hmm. see all these states right now. Um, I'm about to move to Georgia in a couple of weeks, and I'm just like, Georgia is wild. What is your take on these open, these like early openings and these early like dismantling of restrictions and all this mess happening right now? Um, I think it's heartbreaking. Um, I think that a lot of these places like Georgia that are, are opening. Um, have a huge black community uh, and we know who are dying and mm-hmm. um, we know the people, we know the demographics now of people who, who's been heavily affected by this. And these are communities of color because of systems that have made, made, it, made it so that these communities are unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when, when the demographic uh, information came out. It was like everybody was shocked except for us public health folks. We're like, duh, you know? When you look at, like, who is obese, who has cardiovascular yeah. issues, who, who, you know what I mean, who lives in, in food deserts, like, who smokes, who does the tobacco company go against, like, go, um, who who is at risk for a lot of these diseases and who have all these critical conditions, it's it's poor people, it's black folks, it's communities of color. Um, so when we found out that COVID, because COVID is a virus, fine, but it's the system that's honestly killing people. Because yes. once the virus hits those communities that were most vulnerable, of course, like, not to say, of course, they're going to die, but we saw we saw what happened. We saw the consequences of, of it. Um, so I know there was an article that just came out that, like, Trump cared about, um, the pandemic until he realized that who were who were truly being affected. Mm. Um, and honestly, I think it's heartbreaking. Um, I think that even though 
the few places are open. I really hope that people um, are safe. People are smart. Like, I understand. I understand being at home, being cooped up at home is not fun. Nobody wants to do this, right? And, but I really, really am hoping that people think smart, like they they make the right decisions, which I doubt, but, you know, one can only hope, you know, yeah. that people make the right decision to keep their families safe. Um, like, for example, there was a video that came out, I posted on my Instagram story in Philadelphia of, like, literally there was a block party in North Philly, like, last weekend. Mm. And all these young people were gathered. And, you know, young people will be like, well, we're not dying, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, then you're going to go home to your mom. And you're going to go home and see your grandmother. And you're going to go home, and you don't know who you're going to be around, you mm. know? And and you need to think about their life, too. Like, how would you feel if you realized that you infected somebody and that person ended up in the hospital? And we need to also be real about something that... I feel like that live that young people aren't dying is kind of just like a, a safety blanket that we're wearing. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is young people are dying. Um, my mom yeah. was on a walk with my mom a little earlier today and she was sharing with me that like three young people in New York recently passed, mm-hmm. right? And so don't get comfortable, girl. <laughs> don't get don't comfortable. No, like it's honestly, there, um, there was research that's coming out about like it being more about viral load, how exposed, how much you're exposed to the virus rather than, oh, I'm young and I'm healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even I have a really good friend of mine who we were in the program together and she had to rush off to the UK because she's an emergency room doctor mm-hmm. and they were basically calling all of their doctors back um out of all the countries they're like you need to come back and help us fight um covid and she was telling us why she had patient who was 13 years old um in the hospital with covid and had a really young i think 20 something year old also passed away that was one of her patients mm. from covid so it's like young people are dying and i feel like People are dying. I mean, like the, I don't know. Like you sound like Kourtney Kardashian, like, but it applies. Kim, people are dying. Yeah, like <laughs> like people are actually dying. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think I think America. I don't know. I don't understand. I feel like we should be griefing, and we like people are losing family members. People can't see their family members in the hospital. Like this isn't just some aha, uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, like mm-hmm. some cute mm-hmm. little thing like this is serious and and like when folks don't take it seriously it honestly breaks my heart mm. so so i'm am i surprised that places like georgia and other states are wanting to reopen no like i understand the economy and i understand you know people are losing their jobs and don't know how to pay their bills and things mm. like that i i um I get it. And I think that our government has just done a really terrible job in in protecting people. Like, mm-hmm. I really think that it should have been more of an economic relief for families who have or individuals who lost their job so that we can all safely stay our asses at home. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, or, like, if we truly properly just locked down in the very beginning, things could have been cleared by now. If we actually tested the people, actually contact, you know, did contact tracing at the level, you know, funded public health institutions so that we would have been prepared for this, we wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as bad as it is now. Mm-hmm. 
I just think that there was just a lot of mistakes made from the government side. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think that this has just been a, a hot mess, to be yeah. honest. So. I I hear what you're saying, and I receive that. Um, I also heard you say that we as a country should be grieving, but I feel like we kind of are, right? Like, if you look at the stages of grief, even the first four, denial, anger, um, and I believe it's bargaining. Not I believe, it totally is, right? Denial, anger, and bargaining. A lot of us are denying that this is, like, a real thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's why you see people even amidst all the like death rates and stuff, you see them going about their business, right? Now that could also be complete selfishness and stupidity. I just want to make room for that too. But I think for some people, (laughs) it's kind of just like denying what reality is. You see some of us in communities of color, just absolutely angry that our communities are being hit even more. And you're seeing like some bargaining, right? Like, so if I do this, maybe this could happen, right? So if I, you know, enjoy, if I go out and wear a mask, maybe I'll be absolutely fine. So I can be frisky and flirty. I can go to all the parties. I can be fine, right? Or, you know, on the flip side, maybe if, you know, hmm, we had taken extra precautions, these death rates would have been lower, right? There's bargaining on every hand. So in a way, I do kind of see that we're kind of experiencing trickles of grief, but I think they're coming out in really novel ways and they're coming out in ways where it's just like, yo, what the F? Yeah. 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 And I, I, um, I agree. I definitely, I, yeah. So I agree. Um, when thinking about communities of color, um, I think that, what I guess I was kind of thinking about also is just people who are out there protesting. Mm. And when I say people, I mean the Karens. Yes. Shout out to Karen. <laughs> you know, the other, We're using all the slurs you know, on the show. Karen, Karen, Karen. All, ooh, Karen. <laughs> all the Karens. All the white folks out there who are out there literally comparing wearing a face mask to, to slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, for all of these people who they they're claiming to talk about a pandemic but everything that they're protesting is really white supremacy um and that's the stupidity that i'm highlighting yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so i think like they're using the pandemic as a way to further their agenda of white supremacy and this you know and i think that's a mess and i i i truly i think that's where i'm frustrated of People are dying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you out there comparing wearing a mask to slavery, like that's where I get that's where I get pissed. No, yeah, you know? that's a hot mess. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's just you know, and also I don't see nobody protesting wanting to go back to work. I see people protesting, <laughs> talking about they want to get their nails done, they want to go to the gym, mm-hmm. they want to go to the gym. I don't see nobody out there saying I want my reception this job or well, I want no because they want this thing. vacation I, mm-hmm. listen mm-hmm. So I'm just like I'm just like I don't see nobody out there I don't see no Karens out there protesting to go back to work do you I surely so. don't I surely don't no question sure. for That's you how I we have been unpacking this uh, this pandemic and unpacking kind of our reactions to all that's going on. One thing we didn't touch on, though, well, actually, in a way, we kind of did. Um, you talked about how a lot of people on professional Twitter are only getting information out to their 
to their peers, really. They're not really getting mm-hmm. out to the communities for which the information is intended for, right? But so many people mm-hmm. are kind of comfortable in that space of just disseminating information to their peers and then taking mm-hmm. on this label, which I want to throw at you. Mm-hmm. Expert. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's an expert. And I'm not just talking about public health. But once a person reads a couple articles, right, can show you a couple of data from either the CV, CDC or SAMHSA or uh, NIH or whatever data they get, right? Then next thing you know, mm-hmm. expert, public health expert, sexuality Listen. expert, psychology Listen. expert. We are now facing a, <laughs> and I just, I'm laughing at that label. We are facing a health crisis that literally mm-hmm. nobody knows about, right? Like, no, I don't care no. if you are MD, I don't care if you're MPH. I was um, watching mm-hmm. a Married to Medicine live stream between Dr. Heavenly and Dr. Contessa. Um, Dr. Contessa is someone who's trying to become the Surgeon General of Georgia. Um, and so she's mm-hmm. doing her public health studies now. And she literally was just like, people talking a whole bunch of shit, but they don't know nothing. They so- know nothing. <laughs> Nothing. These are like, we're literally kind of navigating through life on a whole bunch of hypotheses. Mm -hmm. In this day Mm -hmm. and age, kind of looking at the times, what's your perception and how do you react to that word expert? Um, Actually, before I answer this, there's something I need to say before I forget. Kind of go back to that, um, how that question about how things are being disseminated. And I need to add to that. I think that even as public health professionals, there was a lot of um, research that was being done. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and we were trying to figure as a as a sector, researchers were trying to figure out what was happening and how this was spreading and how to you know keep ourselves safe. First they were like, wear don't wear masks, and then they were like, wear masks. You know, like there was just a lot of things that we were all figuring out. And I think that you know when you are when you're bringing out new information, when the CDC and all these other, you know, um, organizations, public health organizations are putting out information, I think it's really important to be transparent. Because for me, as someone, you know, who studied public health, I understand that, okay, there is still a lot of research being done. You know, Mm -hmm. we're discovering new things. Um, You know, there just needs to be research before information can be put out there. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. these things to be studied. We can't just be telling people to do something without research backing it up. But I realized that, like, for everyone else who didn't study public health or have a public health background, it just might have seemed like, oh, every other day we're getting new Something new, yeah. You know, something new. So why should we trust it or why should we? And I think that it's really important to just be, like, honest, you know, be, we thought this. And we studied this or some more, and we realized that that wasn't the case. So, you know, so we need to, and we studied this some more, and this is the new case, you yeah. know? So we really hope that you you follow it. Like, I think that, that we need to, as public health professionals, we need to be more human mm-hmm. with our communication. Mm-hmm. Bring it down from, okay, we're academics, we're researchers, we've done all of this stuff. You know, even when I'm on um, public health Twitter, I'm just like, even the way y'all be tweeting, no one's going to read that. Like, a normal person is not going to read it. You know, like, I think that, I'm not saying dumb it down, but, like, 
okay, here's the research, but we need to, okay, let's have a person-to-person conversation about this mm-hmm. research. And I think that that's how communication should be disseminated. And also, with that whole expert thing, I think that unless you got a PhD, which you're about to get, my friend. Shout out to you. <laughs> oh, it's a PsyD, but it's cute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but like until you have like a PhD and you studied that one thing and mm-hmm. literally have like five, six years on on that one thing, you're not an expert. <laughs> and can <laughs> like, I even add to that though, right? Because like you know, I don't want to like fall into the elitist trend of giving expert to those with PhDs because also yeah. a lot of people get these like doctoral level degrees and are not still immersed in the research five, 10, 15 years down the road, right? So you may be, once you graduate, you may be an expert at that time, but if you are not continuously like engaging Mm -hmm. with the the research or engaging with the trends that are happening in that field, you're not an expert. And this is why I'm so against the label of expert for myself and for other people, because you may be a quote unquote expert today, which I don't think is possible, yeah. right? But you surely won't be one tomorrow when something That's new true. comes up, right? And yeah. even though you yeah. have researched a lot in one area of study, there is a, we live in a full world with billions upon billions yeah. of people, yeah? Yeah. I'm sure your research is not applicable to every single person in this world, yeah. which is why the word expert to me um, rubs kind of wrong. And I think in the case of COVID right now is not applicable. Like right now we are people figuring things out. And I love how you yeah. said we need yeah. to make, I love how you said we need to make the information um, more human. Literally I'm hearing yeah. you describe it and it's literally, it's just like making it more accessible. Yeah. Right. We use these big lofty words. We use these big lofty mm-hmm. concepts and we're just like, yes, my community is going to, you know, esteem me now because I done put mm. out this research article about COVID that only they understand. But what about, you know, and they're the only ones who are going to read it because uh, right. it's not accessible to the rest of us. Right. And then once, the ones we put it in the newspaper, are the newspaper truly um being like translating the research mm-hmm. probably not you know mm-hmm. and people don't have access to actual like the papers and things like that or how to read the papers um but yeah sorry keep going no that's that's all i had to say you picked it right on up i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know i i i hear what i hear what you know you said about like not those who owe the phd i think that um Maybe expert is not the right word, but I think that, you know, everybody has something that they're an expert in, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people who have personal experiences, who Mm -hmm. dealt dealt with something personal and had to battle it for years. And they can be an expert in that one thing, you know, because they've had to deal with it for so long. Um, And I think that, so I'm like losing my train of thought. No, but no, I think it. that like, <laughs> no, but I really think that, you know, we need to it's not yeah, you're right. It's not just like PhD or people with degrees or whatever. I think that everybody has their own experiences mm-hmm. that they can speak towards and that could offer something important to the whole overarching like conversation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like even with COVID right now. 
Like, I think that there's been conversations about um, domestic violence and people who who have been, you know, who have worked within that field or need to join that conversation because people are staying at home more and we see more violence against women and it's very unfortunate. So it's like, how do we how do we mitigate that and how do we put resources and how do we make sure that people are staying safe and not being, you know, abused while they're home? Um, you need like teachers because they've been experts in teaching kids. So, you know, how do we make sure that kids are still being educated? So like you said, like we're all trying to figure it out. And I think that we need everyone from every, I guess, expertise or whatever Mm. area that they have the most experience in to join this conversation of how do we continue as a society when everything looks so different, you know? I So Um, now I'm about to change my tune because I really do love that. And I feel like for me, the reason why expert has rubbed me the wrong way, especially spending kind of these past five years in a academic space is I think I've only seen Mm -hmm. expert being given to people with these terminal degrees, right? I haven't seen, you know, or I haven't seen the push for people who just have that lived experience or who can really add value to the conversation from the community, given that title Mm -hmm. of expert. And so for me, my perception has been when I hear expert, I kind of think, you know, pretentious person with this like high ranking degree. And I love how you kind of widen that conversation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. Like, you know, at the organization that we were working with, there needs to be other people in leadership, you know, not just people who want to, who have this fancy degree, you know, um, in public health or whatever other degree they have. Because at the end of the day, unless you're leaving in communities, like, for example, in public health, we talk about, like, you know, why are people unhealthy? What are the systems? You know, how can mm-hmm. we get people to make healthier choices, like eating healthy? We can study that all day long. In a in a classroom, but unless you're in a living in a community where it's a food desert and all you have is the McDonald's and the corner store and all this mm. food around you, and that's what you're gonna choose because it's literally all around you. Unless you have that lived experience, you're not an expert in that, you know. And that's why it's important to bring like those in the community where we're trying to make a difference in at the sit at the table, you know. Mm. Um. So. Sorry. But yeah, no, that's no, I no, no I love this. I'm like standing. That's why I'm silent. <laughs> you know, quick question as we transition topics a little bit. Um, this mm-hmm. is a stressful time for everyone. How are you mm-hmm. managing any anxieties or any kind of like low mm-hmm. moods that you may be experiencing during this time of quarantine? Um, yeah. Honestly, besides be- Casamigos. <laughs> I have this piece at 100, you know, like every day is just taking it day by day, to be honest. Like I, and I'm sure I'm not the only one in this. Literally Monday, Sunday, I'm like, this week is going to be a productive week. I'm going to get all this done. I have this plan, everything. And then Wednesday comes by and I just don't want to get out of bed in the morning, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that like, we just got to be honest and you know, I, I, I see a therapist like almost every week or every two weeks, depending on schedule. Uh, but my therapist is just like, you know, be kind to yourself. Like the things that, you know, like I think we get really, really hard on ourselves of why aren't you as productive and why aren't you doing this and why aren't you doing that and whatever. 
And my therapist always says, like, the self-talk that you give yourself, would you tell somebody else that? Would you speak to other people like that? Would you speak to a baby like that? Would you speak to someone you love like that? And I'm like, no, that's really rude, you know? Yeah. This is like, why you, Why would you say that about yourself? Um, so really, like, giving myself grace, especially because I know myself, I'm a perfectionist. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm a workaholic. I like to work a lot. And honestly, I've gotten even more busier during during covid and it's been really difficult for me to because there was all these things that were on my place i always have so many projects that i'm juggling and i just wasn't like as on top of things as i used to be and i was just so hard on myself and honestly it was just like when the days came where i just needed to be in bed and not do anything i needed to be kind to myself yes. and tell myself like this is, you need to listen to your, your, your body and you need a break. You're tired yeah. and the work will get done eventually. So it's honestly just being like working on my self-talk, which is not easy. It's very, very At difficult, all. but mm-hmm. it, you know, like it's, it's work like therapy, you know, you just can't sit. You got to do the work afterwards. Yes. So working on self-talk, you know, trying to be kind to myself, um, giving myself breaks when I need it. Um, and you know, um not not try not to be like okay these are what other people are doing so i need to do that you know trying to follow my own pace i guess that's how i've been dealing with everything so I love that. Yeah. I love so being kind to yourself. A little self-compassion never kills, right? Um, yeah. Allowing yourself grace. I love these themes, right? And you touched yeah. on an important one. Stop looking at other people during this time in life, if you can, <laughs> if you can manage it. But especially now, I I'm real, and that's the work that I'm working on too, right? Like so many yeah. people are being productive. So many people are getting things done. What's his mm. name? Do you watch Sex Education on Netflix? No, I need to, it's on my list. It's well, on my list. the young man who plays, ah, uh, why is his name skipping me right now? But I think it's Nkuti Gatwa. He knows his name, right? But whatever his name is, he <laughs> did an interview and he was just like, one thing he tells himself is face your front, right? So, so often we're always looking at what John is doing, what uh, Sue is doing, mm-hmm. what this person's doing, what mm-hmm. that person's doing. Face your front, focus on you and what mm-hmm. you need to accomplish and also give yourself yep. grace to accomplish them in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So if there are days where you don't feel like getting out of bed, stay in the bed, right? Today, tomorrow is... Is always another day. Take things moment by yeah. moment. Now, <laughs> let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I do want to respect your time. Um, and I thank yeah. you so much for offering your commentary on the life part of Rosé and Thorns, right? But this is a podcast yeah. that truly, you know, I say in the slogan, we talk about the highs and lows of life and relationships. Um, sometimes I even mm-hmm. say uh, life and love, right? <laughs> now, today we're calling you... We're, Hmm, how do I say this? So we talk about the highs and lows of life and relationships, life and love. And today the love is going to be the love of money, right? A lot of times we talk about the love of friends. We talk about the Uh love of, I don't know, partners, the love of sex. But today we're going to talk about our relationship with money, right? And I introduced you to the people as Lady S. The S stands for sugar. Oh my God. Because you are a sugar baby. <laughs> Formally. <laughs> and, uh, you, Formally. What'd you say? Formerly. I'm, I'm no longer a sugar baby. I'm oh, okay. A, I'm a, well, you better be reformed. <laughs> okay. 
But, you know, during the time that you were, right, like, I absolutely Mm -hmm. stand. Um, Because, to be honest, guys are frustrating, right? And so why not have them pay for all the frustration that they get, right? In the words of little Kim, why spend mine when I could spend yours? What? (laughs) And so I really affirm you because while you were pursuing your master's, you were kind of engaged in this lifestyle, right? And so it really shows the duality. I think so many times we have um, this negative perspective when it comes to like sex work or when it comes to even like Mm -hmm. being a sugar baby. Um, But you really showed that you can be a professional, you can be about your paper, you can be about your degrees, you can be what society says is like the ideal to achieve and also be out here Mm -hmm. having the time of your life with these men. Um, So super curious. How did you fall into becoming a sugar baby? I honestly wasn't even looking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe that's my problem. You know, <laughs> Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> honestly, I wasn't even looking, you know, because I, you know, shout out to my friends. I really love my girlfriends because I think that, like, all of my friends are just just super ambitious women who are, um, who, you know, are about their, you know, about their professional lives. Um, but they're the ones who kind of introduced to me the idea of not using guys, but, but like you said, why spend my money when I could spend yours, you know? Um, so I had a lot of friends who, who were, were really good at, you know, finding guys who were, who loved taking care of them. And, so yeah, so I guess that's why I was just like, I, I really, really like that. You know, like I see y'all, y'all are out here doing your thing, but also having people take care of you. And I was just like, I like, this is really cool, you know? Mm-hmm. For those listeners who may be interested in kind of dibbling and dabbling into that, right? Did you use like an mm-hmm. app? Did you just go to like hotspots in the area? Like, how did you and your friends fall into that? So, okay, so honestly, I didn't use an app. Like, when I say I accidentally, like, I was not looking. I wasn't even trying. Mm-hmm. It just happened. It mm-hmm. honestly just happened. So, basically, one of my really good friends who I love, um, so amazing, but she she likes to go to, like, really expensive places in mm-hmm. the city. Like, hella expensive bars and restaurants and stuff like that, you know? Because guys just be... I should be there at the bar. Chilling. I got my pen and pad right here. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> when they see, you know, a pretty young thing, they're just like, "I right, let me buy you a drink. Um, so there was just this one time in the summertime, you know, we was looking cute. We went out um, at this nice little happy hour and we were hungry. So we went to um, this really expensive bar and restaurant and, you know, that was really close to it. And honestly, we were just both really lit and just hungry. You know when you just be hungry after a night of drinking? Absolutely. And and this guy, when I say I barely remember our first um, conversation, but he basically was, like, talking, you know, to me or whatever. And I guess we had a really great conversation. Like, I was telling him, oh, he was from this country, and I visited this country. I'm not going to give you too much information. Oh, please, protect yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, cool. So I visited this country and I was like telling him about, you know, my travels. I just got back from out of the country that weekend, actually. So you were um, so I was like, you know, 
you know, because you, know, you can't be out here acting like, oh, you just this broke, you know, person. You kind of act like you, you live in the life too. Okay, so that's a like, pointer. <laughs> Don't act broke. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I was like, yeah, this is your country and this or that. And he was just like, what? You live in my country? Like, he was so lit and hype and so excited. So happy and excited and whatever. And, you know, he was in my time. But I don't know why I gave him my number. I gave him my number. And, and yeah, he paid for, like, all of our – he paid for our entire bill, which is a lot because we ordered a lot of food. I don't know what we were thinking. Like, we could afford all of that food. <laughs> so y'all just stepped out on faith down to this expensive Yo, restaurant. <laughs> Faith, for real. Like, I was real grateful. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I bought us cocktails and everything. And at that place, they were like $20 per cocktail. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, he was like, I got your bill. And, stuff. and he actually wanted us to go out to board. But my friend was like, I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we got to go. We got to go. So I gave him my number. And, you know, he called me the next day. And I was like, wait, who's this? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but then I was like, you know, let me just give give this person a chance, and that's how it happened. So I wasn't looking. I just went to a bar mm. and met this, this person at a nice little bar, and that's that's how it happened. Okay. Now, when you started to develop this relationship with this individual, right, and he kind of jump started your memory from that night, were there any safety measures that you kind of like put in place? Like you are, you know, a single cis woman out here but cis or trans mm-hmm. there's still a danger right um mm-hmm. what safety measures did you put in place if any i guess like not really a safety measure but i think that something that i practice with every partner i have is just that like having i'm so in public health there's a whole bunch of topics that you can focus on my focus is sexual health you know <laughs> like out in the streets and stuff so i teach sex ed I practice sex, you know, like, I'm just, like, all about safe sex and sex ed and, like, making sure that, like, you have conversations with your partners about Mm -hmm. things, you know? Uh, And that's how, you know, to hook up with somebody or not to hook up with somebody. Because if you can have a conversation about using condoms or getting tested or, you know what I mean, with somebody, then you don't need to be hooking up with them because y'all are not mature, (laughs) you know, like. To, to to do all that so um so i really like with any partner i have like before anything happens you got tested well i literally will pull up my test result well here's my test result where's yours you need mm-hmm. to show it to me and until you do that because i may be on birth control but i don't know what you what you're carrying around so right right until we you know until we show each other or be honest you know then we're just gonna use protection and stuff like that so i like to have that conversation um period with Mm -hmm. anybody um so i think like that's really important and just like being honest about like what you like and what you don't like um so there was like some things that he wanted to try and i was just like "Mm, i'm not sure you know like you know was like would you be willing to try it and i was like okay sure and then when i didn't like it i was like i am not doing this anymore (laughs) you know so So really just like like, asserting your boundaries 
Yeah, setting your boundaries and just like being really honest, you know, like I really, I will not hook up with somebody unless we can have a conversation about like, what is our preferences? What do we like? What don't we like? Or, you know, like just being honest because at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a pleasurable thing for both parties. And, you know, so if you sit there and not like it, whatever, and you just be quiet about it. It's not going to, then what's the point? Why are you doing right. it in the first place? Um, so I really listen. Like, what really turns me on is when somebody goes like, I, what, what, what pleasure is you? I'm like, Same. oh, yes. Okay. yes. Then we, you know, just like having that conversation, like, just like, you know, either tested or whatever. I don't know. Something about somebody asking me if I've been tested and asking about my sexual health and welfare. Whew, that is such a big turn on for me because <laughs> I'm just like, I, you know, you out here being respons- being responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, just like being very clear about boundaries is very important. Uh, but other than that, like, I don't think that it was any different from, um, from any other like dating situation. Yeah. It's yeah. you just give money. At the end. <laughs> Speaking of which, can we talk? Is it within your boundaries to talk figures over the span of that um, relationship? How much do you think you amassed? So, so, oh, damn, I have to do some math then. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, okay, so I know like a lot of my friends will literally ask for things. Okay. You know, like ask for things, ask for money, like be, be very clear, or like you know, just say things like you know, I need, I only have half of my rent, I need the other half, like <laughs> you mm. know, like you know, you know, you gotta finesse it sometimes and just say it. So I guess the way I did it was just like the first day, I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm in school, first generation, you know, <laughs> taking you know, notes, like, taking notes, college. college student, you know, putting myself through school. You know, sometimes you just, I mean, don't act broke, but like, <laughs> don't act like you, you all together either. Right, you know, right. you gotta find like a, you gotta find a middle ground of I take care of myself and I'm good and I'm independent, but I could need some help. You yeah. know, like I'm not too independent to get, you know, to not get help. So, and, but the thing is, I am very prideful. Like I, I'm very, 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 very prideful, like extremely prideful. So like asking for things is just not my nature. I've tried and I just can't. Um, Shoot, I don't even ask my parents, like I don't even ask my family for things. I may be like struggling, like, man, unless it's like an emergency, I rarely ask for things. But I did kind of, you know, I had to put my pride aside a little bit and just kind of acted like, not acted, because this was true. Like, I was a college student. Like, I was struggling. I'm not like the other people at this Ivy League institution um, it, that their parents are paying their way through school. You know, yeah, like, yeah. life was going to be difficult. And when I realized that, when we pulled up into, you know, his big, nice, you know, I was like, okay, this is somebody who can help me out a little bit, you know? Uh, so even though I didn't ask for a figure, I think he understood what it was. Mm. And because of that, I would get cash every single time we, we, um, hung out. Lord, I see what you're doing for Lady S. (laughs) Consider me when you're handing out blessings the next time. Consider me. Now, I know that there is a 
beneficial part, like a mutually beneficial part to to these relationships. But with every relationship, there are annoying parts, right? What was an annoying part or annoying aspects of that kind of dynamic for you? Oh, boy. That's why I'm for Marie. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do Tell it us about it. So I am a very, very independent. Like I said, I'm very independent. I'm very prideful. I'm very busy. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm in school full time. I work. I have my own nonprofit. Like I have, like I'm running different things. I am very busy, and I am not the type to like chase after or constantly check up on somebody mm-hmm. or constantly being the one to initiate things or you know what I mean. Like I don't mind if we talk like once a week. You know, like yeah. I would just when I'm free. I am very like I'm just not a very like. Oh my God, we need to text all day, every day, you know, be on up each other or whatever. And what I realized is that the person I was doing, the, the situation I was in with that man, he also like was running several businesses and was just like, was very, very busy, workaholic, just like me. Like I literally found like literally just like me and to him, I was not as busy as he was. Mm. So he wanted me to be the one to initiate everything, to be the one to, you know, to say, okay, I want to see you, or, oh, my God, I missed you so much, or to be the one to text, or to be the, I don't got time for that. I'm already <laughs> tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I don't have time for that. And, you know, I just, I don't do that. And honestly, I tried. I really did. Like, mm-hmm. Things I would not do for other people just because of the the transaction. I was like, let me put a little bit more effort into this. I really tried, you know? So I think that that was just a very... And I've seen it with my friends, too. Like, one of my really good friends, the person that she... She, whew, she got a lot of money out of this dude. Like, he was in love with her. But she had to text him all day, every single day, morning, day, and night. Mm-hmm. Talking about, I miss you, I like you. Because, you know, they have to get something, too. They need to feel wanted and loved. And, you know, despite their busyness and their craziness, they also want to feel like someone truly cares about them, you know? And that's why yeah. they're willing to take care of you. And and I just was like, it's just too much work. <laughs> and I think another thing that was, it's just too much. It's like, you really are working. Like, it's not yes, people think a full-time that it's job. What? It's, it's, you're cocking it. Like, <laughs> It's a lot of work, you know? So I just, it was just too much. And and I think another thing was that, like, well, with this particular person, he was a very dominant and type A. And don't get me wrong, but like, I really do love a dominant, like, person who's just, like, very, very assertive and just, you know, like, when we would go out to eat, like, literally would be like, okay, what do you want? You know, like, pick out all these dishes, like, we would have, like, literally, like, four courses, like, appetizer and a whole bunch of entrees to pick from and then, like, and dessert and whatever. And then the waitress would come and then he was like, we're having this, 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 you know, like, with mm-hmm. order and stuff like that. It was just a very dominant and assertive person. However, because he felt like he was 
of taking care of me and making sure I was upkept. Like, you know, when he would be like, okay, take this money to get your nose done. And then I would do a color that you didn't like. He would make a comment about that. Hmm. See, that's what I'm not about to do either. <laughs> Just because you're taking care of me, it's not me. You're going to tell me what color I need to paint my nails. Talking about when I go out and you're like, send me pictures. You're telling me that, oh, my, I'm showing too much cleavage. Like, he doesn't, you know, oh, want wow. other people... Yeah, so it was just like a lot of, you know, possessive and control. Yeah, I saw a lot. Yeah, like that control of I'm taking care of you. So like, you need to fall in line. And I see once it gets to that point, then that's when you need to be like, bye. Heard you. So yeah, that's part of boundaries. So I shut those conversations down real quick. Like, you know, because some people will be quiet because they're thinking that, oh, this person is taking care of me, so they should say all these things to me. That's part of boundaries. Like, I was just like, first of all, you're not going to tell me what to paint my nails. Like, I like this color. And second of all, like, we're going out with my girls. Like, I'm going to wear what I want to wear. You're not my dad. You're not my husband. Like, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. How did he respond so, to you setting those boundaries? I mean, we had arguments. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But we had arguments, but, you know, if you're, I mean, like I said, I'm also a very assertive person and I'm no BS. So, so like, it was like, yes, we had the arguments, but you don't want to ruin the night. So we gonna, we're going to resolve it. You know, we're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about it. You're going to get over it and then we're going to move on. So. Mm. I love that. Well, I appreciate you for being so vulnerable um, and sharing kind of your experience around that. To wrap up your interview section um, on this podcast, complete this sentence. Happiness is? Ever evolving. Mm, Ever evolving. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, Lady S, again, thank you so very much. Um, so now we're going to go into a segment called Spin the Rosé Bottle. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> now, I've spent this entire... Um, episode kind of asking you questions and getting into your business. I'm now going to give you mm-hmm. a chance to get into mine. You're allowed to ask me one question and I have to okay. answer it. It can be dry. It can be juicy. It can be nothing. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, this is ooh, I gotta think about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um what is what is your ideal situation? Like what would you like right now in terms of right a romantic Mm. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, Right now. So I've actually been sitting with myself and kind of thinking about this just because I am getting Mm -hmm. older. I'm about to wrap up this degree and I'm about to be like a real adult. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right now, I think it's going to take someone really special for me to think about like marriage or having like that sort of commitment um but i would be open to like dating someone and like having a person who like you know you can depend on so like you know a life partner but without like the marriage title um yeah yeah i think also too one thing that i'm coming to terms with is that i'm more concerned with having a child more than i am with having a partner um yeah Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, well, I I pray that you get your heart desired. Me too. Really 
<laughs> I think we're well on this. Well, not about the baby thing. That could wait for me for a while. But definitely, I, I told myself I got one more year of of being out. You know, doing what I want, and, and then and then and then I need to settle down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, you asked me that question, and the the answer is still kind of just like forming in my head. But like, I just yeah. don't feel super pressed to like. Yeah. be with someone and saying that like oh we're working towards marriage I, I don't feel yeah. that pressure that need but if I met someone and we got serious like I would totally be open to that too so like that kind of yeah. middle ground you know yeah mm-hmm. oh that's so beautiful friend yeah and prayerfully that person is over you know six one and over you know good job Listen. dark skin you know <laughs> Be Listen, I have it written in my little black book. Okay. Yes, I was going to say, write it down. I have it I written. Down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Listen, I love it. It's your tall one. Uh, amen. Okay. And now I thank you again so, so very much for being a part of this show. Guys, this has been another episode of Rose and Thorns. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rose and Thorns, a P. Ryan podcast. You can find Rose and Thorns on Instagram and Twitter at Rose and Pod. That's R-O-S-E-N-T-P-O-D. And you can find P. Ryan on Instagram and Twitter at I am P. Ryan. That's I-A-M-P-R-Y-A-N. See you next time.